If you're listening to this episode the day it's released, then Helmbot wants you if you are already a Helmbot user. They are looking for beta testers who are interested in trying out Stripe as a new payment processor, which means in-person terminal payments, which is going to be really cool, which includes using the chips on the cards instead of just swiping and wallets like Apple Pay, um, better rates and fees. If you're out of the country, if you don't have support in the U.S. previously, uh, this has full international support. And if you're switching over, you're able to keep your membership charges active on the old gateway as you transition to the new one. This is some exciting stuff. Um, if the, you're listening to this already, this is an outdated episode and you're catching up on this, then um, this is already live and you should absolutely talk to them about this. This is a really cool uh, step forward in the moment and it'll be awesome when it's just absolutely live for everybody, but definitely ask the Helmbot folks they're super easy to get a hold of, as I'm sure you're already aware if you already work with them. So ask them about it. Go to helmbot.com if you aren't already um, using Helmbot because uh, they just give you a free tour, walk you through everything, and make sure it's a good fit for you. It uh, just makes complete sense to me. So again, helmbot.com is where you want to go. And it's funny, I actually found out about this because of Helmbot Captains. It's a Facebook group that was created by Jonathan Rouge, who was our guest today. So uh, that's some fun stuff. He's going to be delving into, oh my goodness. Um, let's see, <laughs> Facebook advertising, I think, is the main thing we're, we're talking about. We just dive into the complexities of it, the, the concepts, what you need to do as a beginner, um, and just kind of get friendly with some of the, some of the concepts. So uh, yeah, without further ado, let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Art of the Float, where floats owners thrive. I'm Dylan. I own the float shop in Portland, Oregon with my lovely wife, Sandra. And I um, I like Facebook ads. I like advertising through Instagram. It's something I do. But uh, I got to say the wall, I hit the wall pretty quickly, um, especially since I think things were reorganized with Ad Manager. Um, so I kind of get stressed out when I'm creating ads now or I create an ad set intending to do an A-B test, but then I realized I needed to do that on step one and I get, I, you know, I just start fumbling. And um, so oftentimes my ads aren't targeted the way that I want to because there are so many options and I haven't taken the time to learn them. And my name is Gloria Morris and I am with Float60. I used to have a lot of confidence in my ability to do Facebook ads. I used to do them all myself. Uh, the first couple of years we were open and for those of you that know, I do have a day job, so Float 60 is my side hustle, and I had to start outsourcing things, and that was a good idea because at some point, everything changed, and I did not feel like a professional anymore, um, and I realized I was never a professional. I was kidding myself. There's so much that I need to learn, so I'm really looking forward to this. Hey, everyone. This is Drew from New Hampshire Float in New Hampshire, and... My confidence with Facebook ads is a 10 because I hire someone else to do it and I've just chalked it up to similar to accounting. I'm not learning about it. I know nothing mm -hmm. about it. I don't understand it. So I hired someone to do it. Smart. Love that. And I'm Kim Hannon. I own Suki No Float Center in Salt Cave in Southern Indiana along with my husband. And uh, I do social media. So I feel pretty comfortable running Facebook ads, but... It brings me no joy. It sucks the life out of me every single time I try to run an ad and 
Uh, kind of what Dylan was saying earlier, you know, the platform's constantly changing. So sometimes it can be hard to keep up. And, you know, there are a lot of little nuances. So I run them when I need to, and I'm okay when I don't. Mm -hmm. You know, there are people out there that really enjoy this stuff. It actually lights them up. It gives them Ooh, a, yeah. a bit of a, a float light, if you will. Uh, oh, yeah. How's that for a segue? Great transition. Yeah. <laughs> what a transition. Hey, you've been practicing that all week, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's <laughs> literally the only words I've said seven days straight now. Yes. <clears throat> Let me introduce Jonathan Rouge of Float Light. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, Drew tried berating you with a bunch of questions before we started. I said, hold off, hold off. Let's get to know him and his, his deets once we hit the record button. So, Drew, please grill the guy. Well, Jonathan, thank you for coming on with us. And for people who are like me who don't really know that much about you or your shop, um, first off, where are you located? So, Floatlight is located in uh, Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, so northeast Wisconsin region. Um, just a, we're not a huge town, but, uh, it's, uh, it's growing. We're just south of Green Bay, about a half hour south of Green Bay. Okay. I have a question on that real quick. I had to jump in. How close are you to the making of the murderer scene? You know that? We're very close. Uh, Manitowoc, um, Manitowoc, that was it. Thank you. Yeah. And, uh. There's actually people that live around here that, because of the ages, that this was something that we knew about before that documentary came out. And it was crazy because we knew that there would be national attention on that specific event. Um, we, we didn't think that somebody would make an absolute you know, uh, uh, documentary about it, but it's definitely a unique thing that happened around this, these parts. Wow. I almost put you in the penalty box for that question, Gloria, but that was a great answer. Actually, a great question. Okay, great, great. What else is new in the penalty box? <laughs> so, Jonathan, um, how many tanks do you have? What type of services do you offer? Yeah, so we have uh, we have three float tanks, uh, two double cabins, uh, one uh, pod, standalone pod, um, when we first started, that's kind of what we started out with. Um, now we added, well, about two years ago, we added one massage suite. And um, we definitely need more tanks and more more rooms. I mean, there's, we're like, I think the demand of floating is higher than the supply at this time, hmm. which is a good thing, but it's not. I'd like to maintain like 70% so that, we, <laughs> that way I have that little bit of buffer on the top to continue to get folks in. Right. How far are you booking out right now? Well, you know, with, like, schedules, it's typically, like, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday sort of deal. So those days are the most popular, uh, Friday and Saturday, Sunday being, like, the most desired days to book. And especially considering we've been pushing um, one of our signature services we call the Flotage Float Journey, which is a combination of a massage and a float. And we do a Flotage Float Journey flip, which is a combination of a massage and a float back-to-back. One does a float, one does a massage, and then you flip between them. And I people have been that. going crazy over the service. Um, so three tanks, I'll tell you, it doesn't seem optimal because what happens is, is you get a couple that wants to come in and float. We don't do, we haven't introduced um, couples floating yet, but we do them one per tank. I don't know if I really want to go on that route, but that means that two people are floating and there's one tank for a single. 
So I think that the magic number for us anyhow is four tanks so that we could do double couples um, in those tanks and another massage suite so we could do more of those flotage flow journey flips and stuff like that. So Jonathan, you have um, three tanks, the massage, you have one massage room? Yes, yeah, one massage suite. Okay, and how far away are your closest competitors? Um, All right, moment of reckoning. uh, Green Bay. I can't hear you guys, what the hell? Green Bay does have a float tank. Um, Well, I don't know if we should, if I should continue, because that would be a cut on, okay, I'll just start now. (laughs) (laughs) We make our guests edit their own shows. (laughs) Well, I know you guys are going to edit it. Uh, Green Bay has the Weiler Academy, which is a, uh, which is the closest um, float tank that you can get to. They're really good folks. Um, they they do kind of more of sports rehabilitation. Um, we did have somebody who opened a float center in Nina, which was actually just like within driving distance from Float Light, uh, just one city over. Um, I'm not really sure where that led. It, it seems as though they shut down, um, and I'm not sure if, if they're going to open back up uh, and, you know, I don't know if you should add this to the podcast, but, like, we tried reaching out, you know, all that kind of jazz. I think that in business, some people are just not as receptive to the to the love of, like, what this industry is because it is different um, than yeah. a lot of under, other industries. You know, your competitors can be your friends. And, you know, from my perspective, I feel like it makes sense. Like, I don't want to be the only one advertising. I really don't. Honestly, right. I need right. a competitor. I really do. I want somebody to open a float center around here because it's going to cost me less money in advertising. Exactly. Like they like such a great philosophy. Yeah, and like it's it. I spend so much money educating the public to get them to try to turn a conversion. Mm-hmm. But if somebody else was also doing the same thing, it would almost be like easier. And then there's just too many people to reach that message. And I mean, I think the population of of the Fox Cities it's about two hundred fifty thousand, um, according to Wiki or Google or whatever. It's not a lot of people, but we're pulling people from Green Bay. And, and strangely enough, like, and I mean, maybe it's not strange, but people drive all the way from upper Michigan, like Iron Mountain, just to Amazing. come float. And I think it makes sense for them because they also go to the mall. There's big shopping around here. So, but they make a trip of it. And we've even worked out arrangements with the local hotel, which is a boutique hotel that has a spa too. And even the spa loves us. A lot of people that don't really look at us as competition, we've won Best of the Valley, which is, you know, that local newspaper's. I'm not going to call it a scam, but, like, they'll try to sell you the ad space right afterwards. Oh, funny. Nice. Jeez, I should probably – I feel like I'm talking too much, so. Not at all. Uh, <laughs> I love hearing this, and I could just completely agree. Like, as far as um, raising awareness goes, this is something we discovered, you know, around eight or nine years ago was that all the float centers opening up in Portland was just raising the awareness of floating for Portlanders, where if you were just one hole-in-the-wall business, like – what kind of heavy lifting is that, you know? So now most people know what floating is in Portland, and that's just a completely different game than we walked into, you know, nine years ago. Did you have any more questions, Drew? No, like, that was... More grilling? No, those were a few of them because um, you have been pretty open for people who've been paying attention. You've been pretty open mm-hmm. about uh, some of your successes, especially as far as sales go and some of the numbers you've actually shared. And I was just curious about... Your area, I, I feel mm. you're probably similar to where I am and um, reaping the benefits of not having a ton of other float centers around and also the challenge of educating people because it, there's not enough float centers letting people know that we're here. Um, but I was just curious, 
you know, now that I know what services you have in, in your float tanks, I think that's something that's important. We always talk to different people who have different float centers with different experiences, as well as different demographics, different number of float tanks. I think all of that matters. And so mm-hmm. I just wanted to put that out there because obviously you're generating a lot of attention right now. And maybe someone has one float tank and the mm-hmm. level of successes would be different based off of how many float tanks yeah. and where you are in so what other competitors are around. Yeah, I just mm-hmm. I think sometimes, it, especially in the float collective, people lose tri- track of that a little bit. Oh, interesting. That they start comparing, what are you doing? What are you doing? And there's a lot of factors in that. So yeah. I just kind of wanted to get that out there. I completely agree. So for I did two FTA uh, presentations, um, and uh, within both of them, I was I, I I absolutely agree with you. I made sure to point out my demographics, my team, the amount of employees the amount of years open and the services and same with the, uh, the Facebook or the zoom presentation I did on Facebook ads, funnel strategies, um, in, in, which is on YouTube now completely the entire series. Um, and, uh, in the beginning of that, I was very, very clear about like who we are. Cause I even said apples to oranges. Like if you're in, um, Chicago, like Gloria, you know, there are, there are going to be different factors for marketing and my numbers I think my numbers probably won't even look that good compared to some people. I, I guarantee there are some float centers that are pulling conversions at with an ROAS in twenty, thirty, thirty dollars. But I made it clear why I believe a ten to twelve dollar return on ad spend is beneficial or is good for us. And you can decide how that looks for you moving, you know, on your campaigns. So, Jonathan, I love when you talk acronyms you got me all giddy inside i know what that means but two questions for you number one can you repeat your uh, team structure i know you talked about in the fta but for those of you that didn't hear your presentation do you own the place by yourself do you have partners how many people do you have and kind of how do you i know that's more than two questions um, how do you do what you do and balance the operations? And then my second set of questions, if you're tracking all of this, is why do you do what you do? So let's start with the beginning. Oh, geez. Okay. So um, <laughs> the beginning. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, we're a family business. Um, my wife and I came up with the concept, um, and we were very fortunate to come. My, my parents uh, are also business owners of 25 years uh, in the car washing industry, uh, <laughs> which is a very different industry, but like a lot of people joke about it, like we're involved in water, so there's right, something to right. do with that. Um, so <laughs> I, I have a lot of knowledge growing up, uh, working for my folks at a very young age and learning business. And I've just always had this passion for learning things. I don't know how to explain it. It's almost like a drive. Like if something breaks, okay, and I know that other people probably feel this way, if it breaks, instead of saying, oh, I got to go buy a new one, Mm -hmm. and I teach my crew this too. I'm like, let's be resourceful. Let's see if somebody on a forum somewhere has posted a fix for that thing. And let's see if there's a YouTube video or a tutorial on how to fix it. And if there is none, then we employ our engineering skills or mine. I'm an electrical engineer, software developer. So as a programmer, this is exactly how you think. You, you look at ways of overcoming obstacles 
through techniques, strategies, or in my case, they're called functions. Like we build into, uh, we build a function that can overcome some kind of an objective when programming something. So um, that's just the way I think, and, and the same thing goes for why I'm building Facebook ads. It's the same reason why I, d I learned graphic design, video editing, um, effects editing, um, OBS, streaming, you know, just about anything, marketing in general. Um, and I think it's just all very, like, I love learning this stuff, and I love going through the strategy. I said something funny, I think, in the first FTA um, presentation. I said, I said, I spend a lot of money on the, on the, on the, it's like the casino of Facebook, because I've actually spent so much money on Facebook before it actually worked. So I said, well, why should anyone else have to really do this if I can just kind of help them maybe skip a lot? head a little bit and be able to replicate at least what I've done in my successes because I really want other I want the other float centers to succeed I, I you know it breaks my heart that so many people I know this is a passion because I feel it when I built this place my wife and I and we want to be able to help others you know continue that and so I always tell folks I'm like I'm not trying to sell anything even though like I know that in their mind they're like when is that when is that paywall going to come? And I'm just like, no, nah, we don't do that. I don't. I want to share information. Well, that ends our our episode. I think that was our next set of questions. No, just kidding. Well, you said um, so. Obviously, you were talking about all the money you spent on Facebook, and when you use the acronym ROAS, return on ad spend. When when did you find that return? Like, how much time? went on with you experimenting before you kind of found the winning combination and did you have to change that over time yeah so i think i i kind of had a little bit of an advantage uh because i you know coming from it and programming the facebook ad manager was certainly a complicated beast on its own but like it was talking to me in terms that i've previously kind of learned um, and that allowed me to kind of start experimenting. And that's really what it comes down to. And it's Facebook ads is truly an experiment. Like you start off with something and you run it and you see how it interacts with people. And then you change something about it. Um, you change the copy, you know, like the text in the ad itself, or you change the creative, like the actual image video and and Facebook actually has pretty useful tools like you can put in multiple copies. Of, I think it's up to five copies in a Facebook ad. And it'll the algorithms will determine what is most effective. And so after running all these different copies, these different campaigns, eventually, and, and I didn't even have things set up right at first, I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't driving a funnel. I was actually just pushing some random campaign that probably was so inefficient and my events weren't even established properly. Mm. And I realized like this isn't working, but I see people are interacting with it. So I started doing more research and I'm, I'm, I just feel like there's so many ways and, and this doesn't just apply to Facebook. I feel like a lot of this knowledge will apply for most advertising platforms. Um, just getting folks to understand that you are sitting on a gold mine of data. Okay, your gold mine of data is your everything inside of your booking software. If you can take that information and export it, or if you're lucky enough to have your software built in API 
um, sync to whichever advertising source you're trying to, uh, you know, determine the metrics for, you'll start seeing, you'll, you'll be able to create audiences that are really specifically tailored to the people you already know are, are more likely to convert. And so part of what I like to discuss is like, how do you take that information that you're already sitting on, the people who have already made the decision to purchase, and turn that into a better, more targeted audience, or by remarketing to those people, but using more, um, I would say, is it unconventional to market, remarket to people on, on Facebook? Because a lot of people would say, well, that's mostly email. Yeah, that's definitely one of the most effective ways of remarketing, email, text messaging. Those are great platforms, but it's not always clear to people how do you do that through like Facebook or Google. And those are definitely two platforms where you can upload your customer list and you can actually specifically target those individuals um, and create lookalike audiences based on their characteristics. And it works. It just does. It's amazing what it can do. And, and one of the biggest challenges that I think a lot of people face is, like, even if you just export the data, Facebook, Google, they're not going to take it. They want you to have a certain format. So, you know, I think anybody who really is desired enough to be able to do this. They, I threw it in a Google Sheets, and I started, I started parsing the data from what was being exported in my booking software into exactly what Facebook wants and exactly what Google wants, and then I can upload that then to their platform. They will accept it, and I can create a lookalike audience, which is an audience that looks like all of the people you just put into their platform, or you can directly market to those people that you added to their advertising platform and it and a lot of break that down just a little bit like to say that it looks like if you've never played with look like audiences before in facebook that can sound like what what do you mean they look like them like do they physically look like them it's basically (laughs) they have a lot of the same behavioral traits in their activity in facebook you know they like the same sorts of pages they're responding to things in the same way. You know, they may live in that same area. Geography is its own, you know, its own separate thing. But Facebook has so much data on all of us that it knows, like, if I like this, say, these 10 businesses in town and I engage with their content a lot, it can say, oh, well, this person also likes those same 10, but they've never heard of your business. And so it matches them up. It's basically playing matchmaker to say, this is someone who is very, very likely to behave in the same way as the people who've already been into your store or have already made purchases with you. It is one of the single most powerful things you can do. You can splice and dice that data in, in lots of ways. But that alone, it's huge. Which yeah. I think is the beginning of why Facebook makes money, right? This is big data. Right. This is where we're finally playing with big data, except... They don't let us get to see all those details. Like they're only letting us, you know, the algorithm is behind the scenes. Um, So it it is kind of interesting to be on the flip. Usually I'm like, Mm -hmm. F that, F Facebook, blah, blah, blah. I have very passionate feelings about them. And then this is the one side of the coin where I'm like, but definitely let me play with this part. Uh, Because it, like you're saying, like both of you are saying, it's just so powerful. So I'm so glad you brought that up, Dylan, because as Jonathan was talking, I was trying to read your face because for those listening, we're on Zoom and we can see each other. And I know, you know, some of us have very strong feelings about what's going on with that data. And I am in the technology industry and I, you know, see both sides. But at what point, you know, Dylan, did you feel 
okay with this conversation? Like, did it make you uncomfortable? <laughs> I just, I wanted to kind of address this like the elephant in the room because we've all talked about social dilemma. Oh, interesting. And, yeah. you know, what we're describing here is, you know, an intent that Facebook and Google and all the big platforms have to help businesses market better. And it is an advantage for them and it's an advantage for you. And it's an argument that it's better for the consumer. Like in theory, yeah, right, your data right. should feel like oh, I do want a to buy that. personalized experience. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I just want to throw that out because I saw you kind of cringe. Oh, no. <laughs> That's something interesting too that I, that I brought up uh, during some of the most recent presentations. I said I have to address the elephant in the room, and this is for anybody who's technical about the iOS 14 event aggregated metrics. And that is something that is going to affect um, all businesses, all marketing agencies alike. And it's uh, in understanding why that's going to change things is important. Um, and it will. But it's there. it seems as though, and, I, and I'm lucky enough to be able to have a, a conversation with Facebook once a week. Um, I don't just run ads for Floatlight. Um, I, I run ads for other businesses, too. I don't have an ad agency, but it's just um, I help some folks. I have friends who are advertisers in the in the region over here as well. I've learned from that that spend just unbelievably large amounts of money. Mm. And I just I can't even imagine like how somebody can spend ten thousand dollars in one month on Facebook ads. Uh, it's just crazy. But um, I will tell you that. That Facebook is 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 setting up to kind of move on to this new realm of things. You got to make sure that your domain is verified, uh, and then you're limited to eight events, uh, eight eight pixel events, and uh, and a seven day attribution, which means that it's seven days from them making an action on your ad where they would make a purchase that'll be accounted to that conversion event. Uh, through the ads so there's a lot of changes um and i think that's what scares people about facebook ads but like i said i I think that if people just even you know if they just jump into it i think that it would be successful for them i mean it it is a complicated beast on its own but uh, it can be quite valuable one one thing i learned from um i caught i got the first part of the most recent zoom uh chat that you hosted which was excellent if I may say so for, I know I wasn't there for the whole thing, but I thought it was so valuable. I like that it started out very basic and then just kept deep diving. Um, but can we start at the very simple part of creating an ad when, if somebody is sitting in front of Facebook for the first time, they've been uh, intimidated by Facebook, they don't know how to do it. Maybe they've boosted posts, but they've never created an original ad. Where would you tell them to start? You know, how would now we don't have to do actually click here, click there, but how should they approach starting a Facebook ad? I think that Facebook is in a dilemma where they're trying it's it's almost seems like Facebook is trying to simplify the advertising platform on one mm-hmm. side and they're trying to keep this more complex, deep platform on the other. Mm-hmm. And I think that that can sometimes confuse people because, like, well, they could say I'm, I'm advertising, but see, there's this idea of a dark post, right? Uh, some people call it dark post, or it's it's a post that doesn't exist anywhere except in advertising space. And there's a reason why that's important, and that's because you don't want to show a specific advertisement to your general audience through the Facebook wall or on some kind of a 
post or anything to that effect. You only want to show it to certain people. So it's not something that can be easily found unless you're like using the ad library or something to look up specifically what these people are advertising. But it's important for folks to know like if you really want to get into the in in deep with Facebook business, you got to get on the business manager and I know a lot of people that just don't use the business manager. Mm. I know that there are a lot of people that do use it, but they don't use the features that exist within it. And I'm I'm pretty sure you have to have a business manager to be able to set up a pixel because you have to create a pixel from the event tab and uh, then you can put that on your website, which I'm encouraging everyone to do because, like, it's so valuable. I, I mean, the, the data that you can get from that is phenomenal. You know, just website views, for instance. You want to you be able to collect these audiences that visit your website, and you can create a remarketing audience or retargeted audience just based on that, and it would be fantastic. Um, but again, so Jonathan, so on that, will you for new will people. you give a really quick definition of what a pixel is? Because there, are, that's still a piece that it, you know a lot of folks are just starting out if they haven't ventured into advertising yet. So, sure. in in a few words, what is a pixel, and why do you care? A pixel is a piece of code mm-hmm. that goes onto your website that sends information from a user to Facebook, and then Facebook secretly gives that information without displaying any personal information of the user to your business so that you can use that for something um, and that could be advertising on in multiple ways thank you is that yes. is that a good explanation i hope it is yep i think yep. it's kind of the, couldn't have said it better right at all. exactly <laughs> i actually and as succinct as you can make it actually i actually when i listen right. to the art of float podcast i'm always waiting for kim to kim to jump out and be like just so that everyone knows, here's the simplified definition. Because nice. if, you, if you weren't there to do that, I feel like there would be a lot of people lost. So thank you for stopping. Uh, thank you, Kim. Yes, that's, you know, it's in my blood. I can't help. Uh, that's that old training piece of me. Nice. Of, you know, especially being in business meetings with executives and everybody's, you know, talking the lingo. And then my job was to take their lingo and tell everybody else who's actually operating the business how to do it so yeah and i also so think that you picked up on that i think it's important to remember a lot of people in the float industry come from different backgrounds and this is a foreign language to right. i would yes. think a lot more people than there are people who actually understand it right, right. that's a very good point yeah uh, can we take a brief uh, and i promise it's a non-sponsored moment of time to talk about pixel and float helm just because float helm is often just synonymous with float centers. Can you talk about like, there's a little field everybody should have filled in in float helm and with their, you know, with their pixel number. Do you want to talk about that? I'm like, I mean, I love float helm. (laughs) I love Helmbot. Um, I I mean, I think it's no secret and I don't know if I can say this, but like I started, I don't really want to say I started it because I really tried to distance myself. As soon as I set up the group, I was like, I'm gone. I had nothing to do with it. And the reason for that is because I didn't want anyone to feel like I was trying to build this group and then have the folks at Helmbot be like, why are you trying to, why are you trying to create this collective group of people? But I, but I feel like they've kind of now realized how valuable it is. So I set up a group called the Helmbot Captains, and um, and uh, and just to kind of, you know, talk to others and start putting out information, and people started to use it, and it's valuable. So we can share information on how to make Helmbot the best that it possibly is. 
And Helmbot is just, I love Helmbot. It just works. It, it works for Pixel. And uh, it's, it's super easy to set up. And yeah, I, I just love it. And can you talk about Pixel integration with Flow Helm? Excuse me, Helmbot? Yeah, um, it's, it's so simple. So basically in, the Helm, in Helmbot, uh, there's a very simple settings. And then in that settings, there's, uh, there's a section where you can just literally copy the Pixel and paste. And then you're done. It's that simple. It's easy. And, and then how does that roll back to our Facebook advertising? What does that mean for us? So it means that you don't have to know how to code anything. Like, <laughs> it, it just you just paste it in there. And then it'll actually interact with your Facebook ads as long as you have it set up properly. And then you can start collecting the website visitors. You're collecting purchase events off booking um, or off purchases in your online store, whether it be gift cards or purchases. And it will collect the the booking event, which they have coded in there as well. And they're, they're always up, up to date on things, um, mm. you know, with this new aggregated event um, targeted, uh, you know, iOS 14 changes. Um, their developer, which I talked to, is on top of it. Like, we're, we're, they're doing everything they can to make sure that it's set up properly. And uh, as soon as that rolls out, it's going to be good to go for folks to be able to start advertising. And I'm not being paid by them or anything, by the way. Right. I just love them. I'm very passionate about the Helmbot. Yeah, it, we we are paid by them, and they are the easiest company to advertise for. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, because we 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 all use it. We love it. Um, let's roll back to we we're talking. Oh, Drew, did you want to? I do. I'm sorry, it. but you've now yeah. mentioned twice the iOS 14 update. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what you mean by that. Can you elaborate a little bit, real quick? Great. Good. Yeah. Question. So you remember, <laughs> was it was it Gloria? She she mentioned she's like I saw you all kind of cringe a little bit about private data. This has been such a huge topic of conversation that Apple uh, decided it seemed like they took a little bit of a stand against Facebook, and maybe not just Facebook. They were like, we're not going to let you just start keep collecting all of this private data from people. Um, we're going to give people the option now of turning off all data tracking on their new iPhone. And iPhone makes up a huge, huge, huge portion of mobile users. In fact, mobile users makes up the major major, uh, proportion, and then iPhone thereafter. Um, And then what that means is is that a lot of advertisers are not going to be able to get the same data the same attribution the same you know uh, uh, the same conversion assignment to their advertisements that they would have prior or we can't track when somebody visits a website and then we can't remarket or retarget to them so it's a major thing and again i'm not completely and i don't think anybody completely Mm -hmm. understands exactly what's going on with it because even my facebook rep even said like i'm not completely sure i have to talk to my team so they were kind of not completely understanding of it either. Um, but it just basically means that they had to change things to make, I think it may be a, an agreement with Apple to make it work. And so what was agreed upon was eight event conversions in an aggregated event, um, you know, kind of, uh, I don't exactly know. I'm not even Okay, all right. Explain. I was going to ask so more questions and we'll end it at that. Okay, it's, no problem. Yeah, down probably cut that because I feel can. like I just, 
<laughs> trying to explain something no. like this is so complicated. It's so complicated. It really is. But I think a lot of people will recognize that there was an update to um, Apple just a couple of weeks ago. So um, I want to say maybe the third week of January 2021 or so, third or fourth week, where a lot of users got kicked out of Facebook and had to log in again. And it kind of blew up the next day. People were wondering why did they just get forced out of their app and have to log back in? And then there was this whole thing that went around social media showing people how to go turn off that tracking. Mm -hmm. And it's all part of Apple's updates um, where basically, you know, it is giving users a lot more control over whether or not they're being tracked and their information that includes what websites they visit, you know, where they are, where do they go to the grocery store, all of that sort of stuff that's being tracked and used for Facebook advertising purposes. And so what's happening is more people are turning that tracking function off, which means those ads that are typically really, really targeted and really good for them, like how did they know that's what I need, that will not happen anymore if people are turning off that tracking. So that's one component of it. There's a lot more that's, you know, in it. And I'm, I'm with you, Jonathan, like, I don't, I don't know much more beyond that, well, but that's the big stuff that's happening I, in the social media world. I think that there's one thing I wanted to point out just so that it makes it on the podcast. Cause maybe people are even still confused about what I'm even talking about. Um, I'm just going to say a little story cause this happens to me all the time. Have you ever, have you ever went to a website and you're like, oh, I'm looking for a product. And then you browse the website for a while, and then all of a sudden on Facebook, an advertisement comes up for that same exact website. This is the simplest way to explain how this works. You see that advertisement, and sometimes it's very enticing. Like, it's like 20% off, but they didn't see that offer there before, and I really was looking for a product. Maybe I'll use that code. That's what retargeting, remark, retargeting in particular does, and it's so effective because it's, it's reaching these users on their other pl other platforms that they weren't intending to see, you know, what you initially were looking at earlier that day or earlier that week. And so with the iOS 14 changes and all these different uh, changes with the Facebook Pixel, you're not, uh, allegedly, you're not able to reach that type of user in the most effective way anymore, but... Facebook has has found or has come to an agreement to allow certain events for a limited time period, which they that's that's when we talk about attribution. How long can that be attributed to that individual for you to be able to show an ad? And according to Facebook, it's seven days right now. Interesting. Um, so it's not completely gone, but it's it is part of that grander discussion with with privacy and data and. I feel as though most of you guys are pretty supportive of the idea of making sure that people get the right content in front of them, which I am absolutely supportive of because I feel like it's beneficial for folks to be able to get served the content that's... Well, let me, let me speak up there. I, on the personal level, I, I truly do... I mean, I hate that we don't own our own data. I, I am on the other side of that. I, I think there is no good that is worth you know, one business having all this information. I, I personally don't like it. With that being said, you know, I'm in bed with the devil if I believe that because I use it. You know, like if, if it's there for me, I'm going to give them my money and I'm going to use that to make money, right? Or to, to bring people into my business. So uh, I do want to clarify, I think we have a spectrum on the show of how people feel about it. Yeah. Um, 
I, it I definitely is something that brings feelings up in people, you know? I, I do agree with I mean, what you say. It's almost like this data exists data. and is in the hands of, of a company. It's in the hands of an individual, potentially, if it was, like, existing in some, like, quantum state, maybe, where nobody could touch it, that would make people feel better. But, I don't know, we're not there yet. Right. We'll be there eventually, though. I'm going to have a quantum float tank just so you guys know. I know we don't have much time left, but and I know that you mentioned before that you don't, you're not trying to sell anything, you're not in the business to be doing this. But if somebody did want to have help, would you consider being hired to do this for others? Like, what's what's your grand plan? Because it seems like you're very passionate about it, and you know, if it's something that is a possibility, it'd be good for our listeners to know. Or if it's a hard no, then that's a hard no. Yeah. So here's my philosophy: I don't want to be liable for specific performance if that makes sense i don't want to (laughs) run an advertising campaign for someone else for them to expect there to be this gold pot at the end of the rainbow because Mm. it's not that simple um (laughs) i if you were if you were going to say like what is your motivation and why are you doing this i I have to admit like i love attention a little bit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That explains lo- the perfect microphone. Got it. I love attention. I I just like to That's I like so to be. Classic. I love to be out here talking to folks. I, I was I had a goal. I wanted to get on the Artflow podcast. That was one goal of mine. Um, one day I would love to be a presenter at the Float Conference. Maybe I will never be, but I would love to. I don't know why. I just holy cow. We might need to tell a couple people. About I really. That. I we just know really at the Float Conference. I just really. I just really <laughs> like. I, I don't know. Somebody. I like to be like the Tony Tony Robbins type. I don't know if I like the analogy, but I like to yeah, talk. Yeah, but Tony Robbins is a capitalist. Like that, like yeah, he has a machine making money. Like yeah, so that's not really a good point, example. Jonathan, like you know, you may find your calling, and, well, and you know, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And if people are beating down yeah. your door to give you money to like, because one thing I love is when guests come on and they just give out the information, and for some people, they're like. I don't have the fucking time for this. Like what? Like great concept. Take my money. Just do it for me. Like that is like, we've had some marketers on in the past few episodes where it's like, yes, you guys are crushing it. You're giving great information. I want to try this myself. And there are other people out there that are just like, forget about it. Take my money. Um, so I, hopefully you find yourself at that point where you just can't say no to enough money coming at you. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just, I hope that everybody, you know, passionately succeeds this uh this situation in the world um and still can be able to run their float centers and their businesses and Mm -hmm. and get through it um and you know i'm i'm here to help and i'll still help i don't know if you guys remember but back when i first built the float center um or when i first got on the collective i was sharing videos i actually rendered uh joe rogan clips out for folks because like they were they just loved it i just loved to share and give stuff and then i made a bunch of like weird little memes i'd I'd let them i I never asked you know i don't have to brand anything you guys could change it edit it whatever you want like i don't need recognition i just want i just felt good like giving it to you and you know that there's something about that like this industry's changed like it really put me in this like perspective where it's like i know that i will be taken care of if i Mm. take care of others and that that Mm. just is part of the philosophy i guess i run with and if i was going to give i guess 
if, if I was going to give you a call, uh, call to action, I guess go mm-hmm. subscribe to my YouTube channel because I'm going to put out content. That's what I'll tell you. So, and, and where uh, is that? Uh, I mean, I know it's on YouTube. I'm sorry. What's the, what should they search? <laughs> uh, YouTube.com slash Floatlight. Floatlight. Great. Yep. Oh, so you put we, it right out through your float centers. Well, I guess. I mean, I was going to create my own YouTube, but I'm like, I don't know. I have, see. Create your had, YouTube. Yes. We I have a we, YouTube. It's not, it's not. <laughs> It's not monetized or anything, and we, not that I care because it's not like enough money anyway to really make a difference. Sure. But we put out like the, we we I re-rendered that Simpsons clip from 1997. Mm-hmm. I put that out on YouTube, and it like exploded, and now it has like 2.7 million views. And I'm like, what does that really? What does that do for us really? But right. then it collected yeah, yeah, yeah. a bunch of subscribers, so we have like 6.5 thousand. And at the same time, like I'm kind of in this little bit of a battle with my friend who's also a YouTuber, and I have more subscribers than him. So like yeah, I'm trying to continue to beat him. <laughs> you got the you've got the right motivations, man. I love it. <laughs> I love yeah. it. You really do. Uh, it's very admirable. It's very cool. And karma is worth something. And you will feel rich with love and support. And we're going to give you all the attention that you want. Yeah, well, agreed. Because I think yeah, you you definitely have some great knowledge. Um, and so I yes, it's like it's not like you're just trying to get on camera or something. I mean, maybe I mean maybe you enjoy it, but people want it, you know. Like we see the value. Yeah. If I oh, if I was just if I was just trying to get on camera, there would be no. If I wasn't providing value, nobody would right. watch me, and I would be like one of those poor suckers somewhere, like not like doing anything. I want to provide value. Everything I do, I know that that's an important aspect, and you know that's really what I come to the table with. So. Kim, did you want to ask a final final question? Yeah. Um, so at the very beginning, you mentioned that your goal was to be no more than 70% occupied. So this, you said, or around 70%, and you didn't say occupied, but that goes back to my uh, real estate days. I used to work for a property management company. And this is a, a very, very important piece of marketing and strategic operations and I've never heard anybody else in the float industry say that they don't want to be 100% full every day. And so I would love for you to explain a little bit of your logic behind that. I think you understand, but this is very, very, <laughs> oh, very <yeah>. important. <laughs> um, being at 100% occupancy puts you at a, quite a disadvantage. You're, you're, you're definitely on a day-to-day basis alienating those who are mm-hmm. looking to book. You want to maintain 70% because it keeps your operation, um, <laughs> keeps it running. If you're at 100% occupancy, it feels amazing. Um, but at the same time, like, you're turning people away every day because you can't get them in. You need to maintain that little buffer, and it means that you have also reached the ceiling. You're not able – you've got to blast through that, man. Like, you're, this is time now. You must build more. You must build. You must expand. <laughs> and if you're at 100%, you got to go. Go. Hmm. Run. Yes. <laughs> so well, we need to build more tanks. This is something that we've been kind of – yeah, we've been kind of talking about that a little bit. Drew and I have both been running, you know, pretty high occupancies lately. And that's one of those pieces that's always in my head of this is an opportunity to either expand, to raise prices, um, to open another location, to do something. And we talked a little bit in, in another recent episode about why we're not really doing that right now. Um, and it's on purpose at the moment, but it is, it's a missed opportunity. If you're at a hundred percent, you're missing opportunity and you're, you're constantly turning people away and, um, we're in that, you know, and I think Drew, you'd mentioned uh, recently that you're in that same place. And number one, it feels really terrible to tell people, no, I can't help you today, but it also gets really frustrating. Like 
I can't believe somebody called today. Another group of four called me today trying to get in today, you know, and you get into this vicious cycle. Um, so I love, love that you recognize that and, and mention that, you know, it's a great problem to have if you're topping that 70%, but there's a really, really solid st uh, strategy behind why you want to I feel like when people say that, it's a great that. problem to have. That's where they stop. They're like, oh, it's a good problem to have. Oh. I feel like that's a scapegoat. Like, dude, yes. what? It's Funny. a great problem yes. to have. Is that not like some kind of uh what do you call it? Uh, it's almost like a, it's like, no, that's just oxymoron. No. It's an oxymoron. Yes. Yeah. Like no, no good. No yes. problem is good. So like, uh, we yes. need to solve that. And, and on a side note, I saw Gloria, like, you, would you say like expanded your current location or make another location? Without question, if you have the capability to expand in your current location, for sure, because, you know, there's so many uh, issues that arise when you duplicate, you know, and build a new location. But, um, you know, there are other ways to get around that good problem to have. Like when we were running at 100% capacity for two years, we would have these strategic like VIP blocks. And so they weren't always for VIP, but we always just like I ran it like I used to work in the hotel business, so I ran it like we ran hotel blocks. And you always, like, hold out some capacity to open it up at the end. And that way you're not necessarily telling people no. You're saying, hey, join the wait list. You have a good chance of getting on. You know, give them that that hope and then open up those blocks. And, and that worked really well for us. I think, you know, definitely in retrospect, I would not have opened a second location especially where I opened it in Chicago because it did not solve for my problem, you know, and it was a matter of timing with, with COVID and other things. But definitely the answer to your question is if you can expand in your existing location, do that first. Okay. There's my answer. Was that like a, did you have, was that preloaded? Did you have an idea already or was do, were you just curious of her point of view completely? Um. Well, I saw Gloria... <laughs> She was shaking her head when, when Kim was like, well, it's a time to open another location or build more. And Gloria's like, no, no, don't well, do that. that's loaded in its own way. Um, yeah. So I wanted to, I wanted to inquire. Crazy idea. Um, luckily for yes. Floatlight. And Chicago is different. Yeah, luckily for Floatlight, yeah. we actually, um, and, and you'll see it in, if you look at some of the past FTA content, like I have this big warehouse in the back, and that's where we'll expand onto. So we can, we can absolutely build at least three more suites for float tanks. But we'd like to build one more to make four, build another massage suite. And I'm super, super, super excited about this idea of fire and ice. I don't know. I keep selling myself on yeah. it. So yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm doing that. Like, I need the cold I'm water. I'm considering it. Hmm. Yeah, I'm <laughs> considering it myself. So I'll keep you posted on it. I've already kind of... Uh, earmarked where i'm gonna put it so it, it sounds really cool cool so uh, my investors will listen to this uh this call here and uh, they'll be like oh yeah we'll do the fire nice for you no problem now glorious <laughs> it yeah 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 we're definitely <laughs> manifest it manifest it right Love but you it. know i just just on that note i thought about okay again i don't work in my float center so it's easy for me to step back and say yeah we're gonna add this we're gonna add that but logistically you know i started like getting a little bit of cold feet like pardon the fun, uh, when I thought about the cold plunge, just because I was thinking, okay, like logistically, how does this work? And will my staff, you know, want to support that? And, mm. you know, it's a balance for sure. So yeah, we'll, we could definitely have sidebar conversations on that, but very cool product. I have to say, shout out to those guys nice. uh, with the cold plunge. 
Do, uh, and what is the name of the business with the cold plunge? Dream. It is Dream Pod, right? There's yeah. two different ones um, that are out somebody there. else. Somebody else has one. Okay. Uh, yeah. So Ryan, it's it's Ryan Dewey and the guy from Reboot. Yeah, it just looks oh. really um, attractive. It's the guy from Reboot. That's because yeah, there was a fire and ice uh, forum that I or group I joined. Michael Garrett. It's just called Plunge. Plunge and Plunge. Yeah, and it's a really reasonable price. The... Glory, is oh. that the one that's okay. like four thousand dollars? Yeah. Yeah, and it comes with a great filtration system, from what I understand. Yeah. It's got a one micron filter on it. All right, guys. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're gonna put a fork in this one. <laughs> Jonathan, we got to have you back ASAP. I, um, I, I mean, we said this to guests before that we've only scratched the surface, but boy, is that true with this one. Um, I want to do some more deep dives, and um, I definitely want to send people to. Um, did you say that your Zoom chat that you did for advertising is on? Is that on your Floatlight you, Floatlight YouTube page? Yeah, so it's it, it it is, but I also. And I hope I don't didn't upset the collective, but I, yeah. I I posted once per day up till this podcast. And then I promoted the podcast because I really want people to listen to the podcast. So on was it Friday I posted episode one? And I promise you I didn't do this like to try to game the thing. I, I like for some reason rendering these these clips took forever and I have an M one Mac, so it shouldn't, but it took forever, and then I had to upload them to YouTube. So I uploaded each one, part one, and it was a four-part thing. It's how it just turned out. You know, it's, it starts with uh, the introduction, which is the really basic stuff because somebody, everyone needs to know the terms. Uh, then it goes into targeting. Then it goes into the funnel setup. And then finally, maintenance is what I call the last part, which is where you turn on or off ads. And most importantly, you upload offline conversions, which is mm. super valuable. Like, seriously, you guys need to watch this if you haven't learned nice. how to do it. Um, but yeah, that's on YouTube, but it's also on the on the collective through a post. I'm sure you guys will find it. But yeah, youtube.com slash floatlight. You'll see it. Um, there'll be a, there's a lot of weird content on there too, because be weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and and then again in the float collective, if you search Jonathan Rouge, it's gonna come up. And probably Facebook and advertising would probably be some keywords to search there as well. Kim? And I'm just gonna throw in a, a little plug to uh, Jonathan's uh, live floating light uh, episodes were, you know, it was live in his center and it was just a really cool thing i, I watched several this, of your yeah. episodes and just such a cool idea of way to get your guests involved get your community involved get people really excited and a great way to you know help people get to know you guys and your staff like that was just that's huge really cool and, that you so watched kudos. it because like i'm yeah. a super fan oh, of yeah. yours kim so like <laughs> nice. i appreciate that that i'm a fan that my people i i love and and, and watch and, and follow watch our stuff it. yeah the floating light live was great like You're it was it. it was set up yeah. so amazing and, and just a real quick thing i gotta mention like we had a, we had a monitor set up that was streaming the text stream to the guests on the couch and to the host so that we could read and comment on people's messaging during the show and uh super cool at one point we had a hundred people i mean it doesn't seem like a lot but we had a hundred people live but they're all local like they're all local wow. folks and it was wow. so fun i wish we could go back to doing it again i really wow. do and that reminds well, as soon me as it's safe i hope you do right right that reminds me yes. that i feel like when jonathan opened his business he just kicked the door open and was like i'm here i'm doing branding like he just did everything he i didn't think he took a status quo on like this is how one runs a business or a float center he brought his expertise and his advertising acumen 
just like to the forefront um, and was just producing content nonstop. I don't even know how he was making so much, but I mean, clearly it's a passion and a drive for him. I don't want to speak for you, but that's my memory of you showing up on the scene of just like, this guy is kicking ass and taking names. And, yeah, and somebody asked drive. me on one of the videos, I think it was the one of my one of my videos that was on my page of, you know, just talk about floating, there's music. It, 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 was, it was using like an After Effects template that was dubbed over like some really unique imagery. And they were like, I don't understand how you have the time to do this, but it really is a passion. And when we first opened, I stayed at my float center till 3 o'clock in the morning every single day. But I have a wife, so she opened and then I closed. And Oh, nice. Probably should have went home, but, like, I just, I don't know. I just love making things. And, you know, well, I'm glad you art, exist. You know? I'm, I'm glad <laughs> you enjoy that and that you enjoy the, the zeros and ones of Facebook, advertising, all that stuff. We need people like you in our industry, so thank you, thank thank you, <laughs> truly. You're welcome. And I and and just to kind of call you up, like I'm totally, I'd love to come back in the future sometime, and and uh, I love the art of float um, and everything you guys do. So you guys are awesome. I think really you're a must. Thank you, uh, a must rebooking. Let's see here. I'm gonna give some thanks here. Thank you, Jonathan, for being here. Thanks to Kim for taking show notes live every night. Uh, no edits in this episode, definitely not. And no sound issues, everything was fine. But uh, thanks to Kim, Gloria, and Drew for co-hosting with me. It's always a stinking blast. And let's see here. Thanks again. Shout out to Helmbot, Isopod. Isopod is our new sponsor. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks to everybody just listening, lending us your ears and uh, letting Jonathan fill you in on some information, get you excited about your Facebook advertising, everybody supporting us on Patreon. And of course, the big thank you, Olga, thank you so much. Our new show producer um, is already changing how we do the show and everybody is just loving it behind the scenes. And that'll only become more and more clear to everybody listening as we go um, through 2021 here. So until next time... Install that pixel number in your Helmbot program. We'll see you next week. <laughs>